Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we are talking to Diana Stiegel. Diana is the president of the ASSP, and we reached out to have her speak a little bit more on the national level and international involvement of the ASSP. We had such a great response after we talked with Teresa, the chapter president, that we wanted to dig a little bit deeper for y'all. So here is some more information on the ASSP. We are grateful to have Diana with us to be talking about the ASSP from the national perspective. Last time we had a great conversation with the local chapter perspective. And so the first question, Diana, if you could just give us a quick peek into your background and how it led to your current position as the president of the American Society of Safety Professionals. Thank you, Curtis. I appreciate that and and glad to be here with the two of you. So my background, I ended up going to Wake Forest University, got a degree in chemistry, but realized I really didn't see myself in a lab. But that led me into getting a job with United States Fidelity and Guarantee and Insurance Company in their training program. And after I'd been there a year and finished the training program, my boss said, you need to join the American Society of Safety Engineers at that particular point in time. So I, I went to the first couple of meetings, and what I found from that is a community where I was able to network and learn uh, people who are very caring and who are very supportive and wanted to me to succeed, which was exciting. Through that, I, I moved around quite a bit the first several years of my career, but ASSP was always there for me um, with, with the chapters, with the communities. And so I had an environment I could get into. So I started getting involved once I was in a place for a little longer, became chapter president, got involved with our regional activities, really developed a passion for the profession and the society. So through the years, held a variety of positions, both at community levels, regional levels, working with student sections, got involved with our governmental affairs committee, got involved with professional development conference planning committee, moved again, got involved with uh, a new chapter, became president of that chapter, became regional vice president, and here I am as president. How, how long have you been with the ASSP? I have been a member since 1990. I did not really start getting involved in part because of the the moving around until about 1997. And it was a situation I had been blissfully attending meetings, minding my own business. And they, at that time, we did a hard copy chapter directory. And I had access to, you'll love this, a digital camera (laughs) with a a floppy drive. And so, and then I was also doing stuff with film where I'd take a picture and then I'd send it to companies back that time that would digitize it. So I offered to take some pictures of the chapter officers to put in the chapter directory. So that was my first volunteer experience within my chapter. And from that, uh, they said, hey, you want to get a little more involved? Well, we need someone to run for president-elect. And I remember very distinctly asking, so what does it involve? And the person said, oh, not much. Just come to meetings. And uh, if you can go to a regional operating committee meeting, that's great. But you really have to attend our leadership conference. So I really wish they told me a little bit more about the regional operating committee meetings, because in retrospect, it would have been good for me to go and get to know the the members and the setup of, of the group at that point in time. 
But Leadership Conference, which we just celebrated last week, uh, really did change my life because I was around for the first time 200 very passionate people, uh, passionate about the safety profession, passionate about the association. And that's where I really started to understand that ASSP is so much more than what's going on within the chapter. It's going on in the community. I learned about the councils. I learned about the outreach. I learned about being able to make a difference on a much grander scale. And it really did just set in my mind, wow, this is so much bigger and starting to see the vision for what involvement within ASSP could be. And that really was a big driving factor for my wanting to move forward and wanting to get more involved and wanting to give back even more. So is this leadership conference through the ASSP, is that available to any ASSP member? Do they have to be involved at some level at their local chapters who can attend the leadership conference? So the leadership conference is available for ASSP members, but typically it is someone who is who is involved at some level within their community, whether it's a practice specialty, a common interest group, or a, a chapter leader, or it may be someone that the leaders of those communities see is an up-and-coming person, and they want to be able to give them some exposure in different areas. That's held every fall, and there is additional information on that uh, on our website, ASSP, under education. Well, I know for me, I grew up with scouting, and until you attend, you know, scout camp and go from your little tiny troop of a couple boys to seeing hundreds of those around, it's it really is perspective changing and very encouraging. So I like that you were able to catch that vision at that higher level. Throughout all these years you've been associated with the ASSP, I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes. What are some of those big changes that you've seen in that time, or have things been pretty consistent as far as the messaging and the structure? There have been a lot of changes in the industry overall, as well as at ASSP. Uh, when I first joined ASSE at the time, a lot of the the focus was on compliance. OSHA was a, a big driver in how do we help our employers how do we really help our employers understand what's required by the standards and, and be in compliance? As I've been more involved, I've seen more of a switch to recognizing that we need to understand risk as safety professionals. If we're just focusing on compliance, we're not going to be successful. We're not going to help our employers be successful. Also, a lot more with safety management systems. That's been a big piece. ASSP as a whole has also grown we are over 39,000 members worldwide at this point in time, which is really exciting because of the, the impact you're able to have, not just within your community, but, but globally. And some of the things we're seeing within societies, we're, we're really working on that transparency. We're working on those processes to help everything be more efficient. So we recently added, last year we added a new council. The Council on Academic Affairs and Research to pull together all of the different entities within ASSP that were working with students, that were working with research, that were working in the education field and pulling that under one umbrella versus having a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, all doing similar things, but getting them together so they can collaborate and there's more synergy with what comes out of that. Some of the focus within ASSP as well, I mentioned the safety management systems, but also risk assessment and helping our members understand the importance of 
of risk. Risk is the language of business. And if we're just talking compliance, more than likely the C-suite, it's their, their eyes are going to glaze over because it's just, it's important, but it's not as critical in terms of their day-to-day operations, of course, depending on the on the particular industry. A couple of other things that we're really looking at is we're looking at the total worker health. We, we recognize that when people come to work, we, we accept them as they are, but can we help them be better? And we can't just ignore their their physical abilities. We can't just ignore what's going on outside of the workforce that's impacting how they're able to do their job safely within the workplace. So I'd say getting a lot more mindful of other things going on, working more collaboratively with other organizations to truly move things forward as a profession. That's really wonderful to go after that broader perspective than just compliance. And I I think that was a great place to start because I think for so long that compliance information was almost hard to access. It wasn't very clear, but I I feel like that, and maybe you do as well. Do you feel companies are become compliant more easier? Like that's not really the struggle that they're fighting anymore? I'd say part depends on the industry. Uh, I see more issues or more difficulty for smaller employers. They, they don't have someone who is out there who is providing the information. So they may not see that there's an issue until either there's a complaint or there's an injury or maybe their, their list comes up on, on the OSHA um, inspection survey. The other thing to keep in mind is in today's climate, it's not like a whole lot of new standards are coming out. And many of the standards that are out there are based on consensus standards that were developed in, I hate to say it, in the 1940s and 1950s. So we're asking people to be compliant with standards that have not kept up with the changing environment. I don't know OSHA is looking at a little bit of that, but in the current the current regulatory environment, they're they're not able to do a whole lot. So if we're just focusing on the compliance piece, we're not going to be moving things forward. But your your question about are are we seeing more I think a lot depends on the size of the employer. I think a lot depends on the mindset of the management of that employer. Some are very attuned to it, some recognize that we need to be doing everything we need to to keep our workers safe and others are just, um, they'll they'll deal with it when they have to from a reactive standpoint. So you're kind of already speaking into my question that's uh, popped up here, but why, why does the ASSP matter? Why is it needed by the industry? If you could speak a little bit more onto that, we've already talked about some compliance and regulations. Sure. One of the things that we do at ASSP is we are very big into standards development. So we were talking about compliance. And compliance <laughs> is basically ends up becoming the lowest common denominator because it's what can end up getting passed and approved. The consensus standards are bringing people together from different industry groups to really talk about what are the best practices as it relates to safety management systems. What are the best practices as it relates to fall protection? So the, the OSHA standard may say one thing, but from a best practices, we understand that something else is, is truly needed. So it's that standards development. So if an organization really wants to protect its workers, reduce the hazards in the workplace, those standards are critical for looking at what are others doing, what should we be striving for? Because if you're 
if you're complying with a, an ANSI standard and those best practices, you're going to be hitting things on a compliance standpoint as well, but you're going to be doing more for your employees and providing a safer environment. So that's one of those things we do. Um, and that's really can help with with industry. One of the other things is the education piece. We provide professional development for the safety professional or people who are wanting to get into the safety profession. And yes, we'll hit on some compliance things, but we're also talking to them about leadership. We're talking to them about total worker health. We're talking to them about risk. We're talking to them about best practices. Several years ago when nanotechnology really started coming into into the workforce. We we had some sessions on nanotechnology. What is it? Why should you be concerned? And what can you do now? Because there aren't really standards around nanotechnology. And then those professionals, those people who are wanting to get into the profession can take that information back and share that with their workforce and use that within their work environment. And then the other big piece, and one that's been a big part of my life, and I mentioned it a little earlier on, is is the networking. As a newbie going to the meetings, there were seasoned professionals who were willing to answer questions, who were willing to help me succeed. And I've seen that wherever I have moved in my career. Several years ago, I was in Pennsylvania and I was working for a, a large manufacturing company. And it was at the time the, the DOT, uh, Department of Transportation, was looking at a new hours of service regulation. And I was scheduled to do some hours of service training for their their fleet because they had a lot of heavy trucks on the road. And I remember I was at the plant a couple of weeks before I was supposed to do this session and their transportation had said, well, you know, I just went to a session put on by the state. I hope yours is covering all the latest and greatest that's coming down the pike. And I said, yep, got it. No problem. And I uh, started to wonder, hmm, did something come through in the last couple of weeks that I'm not aware of? So I was able to call an individual I met within society and say, hey, just wanted to pick your brain and see if there's anything else out there I should be aware of. And he was traveling, but he called me back from the airport and said, you know, this is what's changed. and uh, Nothing's changed in the last couple of weeks. You got this no worries. And I, I did the session and the, uh, the person who had been challenged me, challenging me a little bit a week before said, wow, that was so much better and so much more informative and usable than uh, the, the session I had gone through from the state. So that's the power of, of networking. And that's what that networking can provide for the employer and for industry. To be able to have somebody in kind of your back pocket, as you will, to uh, lean upon for that information at a at such a short time period, instead of having to do all that research on your own. I mean, that's almost invaluable in today's society where you need employers are expecting that type of compliance and that knowledge and knowing that trusted source of where to get it from. That's, that's fantastic. Even to build on that, I mean, yes, you can Google anything or any of the other search engines. You can go in and you can put, how do you handle X, Y, or Z? But the beautiful thing with our 39,000 members is they're willing to share, but they're also providing real world solutions. You can contact someone with through our communities page. You can contact someone in a particular practice specialty or just put the question out there. Hey, this is what I'm, I'm dealing with in my workplace. I haven't seen this before. What have you seen and how did you approach it? And you're going to get four or five real world examples that you can use based on the culture of your organization versus, you know, if you're just doing, like I said, a, a search engine 
request, A, you don't know if it's legit. Are they just trying to sell you something? And is that going to work within your work environment? It's exciting to have that. Definitely a lot more reliable than a Reddit post. That's for sure, too. Absolutely. Hey all, John Grove, CEO of Fit for Work. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about a one-of-the-kind subscription ergonomics program now available from Fit for Work. For just 500 bucks a month, you can get quarterly visits face-to-face from one of our Ergo team members who will perform physical demands analysis, Ergo risk assessments, and or deliver training of all different kinds. Then in between visits, you have on-demand access to the Ergo team for any questions that you might have. So rather than scoping out Ergo projects one at a time, now you get an in-person, year-round Ergo partner that provides you more deliverables than you would for a typical project price. It's typically a third of the price. It's an incredible value and is easy to learn more at wellworkforce.com. Click on Connect With Us. Now, back to the interview. We talked about on the national base. What about on the global level? How do you see or what benefits have you seen with the ASSP on a global level? So we have a couple of different things from that perspective. We do have chapters that are located outside the U.S., and they are part of Region 9. We also have members who are outside the U.S. who, who, aren't, part of, who aren't part of a chapter, but we have an international practice specialty which involves some of our global members, but is also uh, was quite frankly originally started for those members within the United States who had global responsibilities. So between those different areas, if your employer is looking at expanding outside of the U.S., again, you have those resources. You can ask questions around how how does your culture deal with X, Y, or Z. So when you're able to go in, you're you're able to be more successful. One of the big things right now is related to sustainability. So we're working with our global partners through the Center for Safety and Health Sustainability, which is made up of the Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, ASSP, of course, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, and the Canadian Society for Safety Engineering. And we've been working together on sustainability. And one of the the main parts of that is how can you have a sustainable organization when you're not looking at employee safety and health. And we did a study, I think it was 2011, where we looked at those organizations that were ranked very high from a sustainability standpoint. And several of them had had multiple fatalities. So we've really started raising awareness. And what that means from a global perspective is we're able to take what are other organizations around the globe already doing from that perspective? How do we leverage having all of those organizations together to be able to make some differences that will make an impact on workforces around the globe and not just within the U.S. Uh, and, and that's something that that's really been pretty exciting. Also, leveraging what's what's going on and, and helping helping some of our, our global partners and our global members utilize some of those best practices that are developed within the U.S. But one of the ones that's been really exciting is it just passed in uh, March, it was released in March of 2018, is the ISO 45001, which is a global safety management system. And it truly was global. It took years of back and forth and collaboration and discussions with organizations and, and members from around the globe to agree this is what a safety management system should be, and this is what 
if you're working globally, you need to be doing to ensure safe and healthy workplaces. So that's that's really exciting is because we can have standards that we promulgate within the U.S. and there are going to be certain countries and there are going to be certain areas that say, yes, we like this, we're going to use it. But to have something that's been accepted within the global community is, is really, truly exciting. My uncle was a, a safety supervisor at a, a plant over in Wisconsin, and they had international plants as well. So just, I think, having an international base for those companies is a great resource also because, you know, we, we are a, a global society at this point. So having kind of one common, common ground is, is, a, is a great place to start. Absolutely. So how have you seen the ASSP affect individuals as far as the uh, student grants going? I know that's a program that you have as an option. And how long has that been around? And what are some of those uh, benefits you've seen from the student grant program? It's really pretty exciting. And uh, for any student members out there or emerging professionals out there, our student scholarships and grants are through our foundation. And they're not just for the the traditional student. We actually have grants that are out there for professional development for people who want to get a certification or attend one of the conferences. So a couple of things we we do with the students. We do have student sections. We have over uh, 80 student sections throughout really throughout the globe. Uh, So we have several student sections in India, uh, one in Pakistan, one in Nigeria. And with the student scholarships, anyone can apply. Um, There are a few caveats, but you can go to our website uh, or the foundation website. And right now they're taking applications. They're they're due December 1st. A couple of other things we do with students, in addition to the student sections, which are great for pulling together people that are all together at the same university or college, is we have our Future Safety Leaders Conference, and that's going to be coming up in November. And that's really an opportunity for students, certainly to learn a little bit more about ASSP, but also to connect with leaders in the field, get practice with resume writing, with learning development skills, learning leadership skills. But one of the biggest things with student members, because we do have student members who are not connected to a student section, is just to to join, because then you start the networking. We have some global platforms where we're able to connect and share ideas and get advice. We have mentoring programs that are set up to help, again, as you're transitioning from college to the real world, so to speak, helping with that transition. What should we be looking at? Like we help with the internships, which lead to jobs, but it's an exciting time to be a student because the NIOSH did a study a couple of years ago and the number of students needed, the number of people coming into the field is not the number that that's currently coming into the field. So there's lots of opportunity, good paying jobs. We just, become a member, learn a little more about the association and learn a little more about the profession. I really don't think enough people get told of that opportunity. And I like that you bring up that point of there's good paying jobs that people don't even know about because when kids go to school, they learn about, oh, you should be a, you know, there's the traditional doctor, lawyer, construction worker. But being a safety professional is a wonderful paying job that leads to a lot of gratification and definitely is an option that I think needs to be needs to be known about uh, as a very viable career that brings that satisfaction that a lot of people are looking for. One of the things that I really like about the profession and, and choosing safety as a career is 
it is an opportunity if you want to give back. I come from a family of teachers, so wanting to make a difference in people's lives. And I have the ability to do that as a safety professional, which is very rewarding. And quite frankly, the pay is a lot better than most teaching positions. You also look at people who are in in the emergency fields. Uh, you look at nurses. And in many cases, they are coming in after something has happened. What I love about the safety professional is, again, you're making a difference, but you're doing it proactively versus reactively. So if you really want to make a difference, is it better to keep the person from getting injured to begin with and being able to have that impact within a whole organization? Or is it at the end, after someone gets hurt, you're treating one individual? Especially as we start talking total worker health and recognizing that we accept people into the work environment as they are, and how do we keep them in the best place to be able to do the work safely, be productive, and then go home at the end of the day at least in as good a shape as they came, if not even better. To me, that that makes it truly exciting. So for people who are normally thinking healthcare or EMT or teaching, it's this is a way you can truly make a difference. And again, the the salaries are <laughs> talking to some of the student sections and the the faculty, what students are making as they're coming out of college. I'm like, wow, wish I had majored in safety versus chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'll, th I'll throw something else out there. So I had the ability to travel globally. And, and in my role right now, I'm doing a lot of uh, some global travel and running into, I'm in Dubai, I'm, I'm in at, in Abu Dhabi and talking to, there's, there's so much construction going on over there that, you know, right out of college, you know, before you start the family, before you have the obligations to be able to take a position outside the U.S., gain that experience, make a lot of money, and have that socked away so that when you come back to the States, you're able to start anew, if you will, but you have the funding to be able to do some of that. And you touched a little bit on, or kind of summarized, I guess, on the prevention piece. And, you know, that's that's what Curtis and I are here for with our Workplace Injury Prevention Podcast. So I'm glad that you brought that perspective back in and, and how that by focusing on the prevention part of it, People can go home and safely from their jobs, enjoy what they do, spend their hard-earned money on their family and, and doing the things that they love. So, Diana, is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with as far as getting involved in the ASSP, you know, locally, nationally, globally? What would be one, one last parting word for them? Well, first, if you're not a member... I definitely encourage you to become a member. The The resources that are available to help you in your career, to help you be successful, truly are unlimited. This next thing, as you mentioned, truly is getting involved. And you can, people say, well, you know, I don't really have time, but you're investing in yourself. You're investing in your career. And there are lots of different ways to get involved. You can go onto our website. We have, uh, if you scroll down, there's a section that says get involved. And it lists the different positions that are available more on the society level, whether you want to get involved with standards, you want to get involved with governmental affairs, you wouldn't get, want to get involved with professional development conference planning. But even if there's something not in there, between the different communities, we have our practice specialties, which are more industry focused. We have our common interest groups, the Hispanic safety professionals, the emerging safety professionals, the blacks and safety excellence. You're able to, to get involved 
with them. They're always looking for people, whether you want to be a mentor, whether you want to help plan some of their events. And then at the chapter level, uh, and I mentioned we have chapters globally getting involved and saying, hey, you know, I'd like to speak in a meeting. I would like to reach out or reach out to our members and help them understand how important this is. Whatever level of involvement you can do. If you say, you know, I only have 30 minutes a week. Okay, that's easy. But if you haven't gone to a meeting, I encourage you to do so. The practice specialties and the common interest groups, they have regular calls. Sit in on one of the calls. You'll you'll get to hear a little bit about what they're doing and and what they're interested in and, and what needs they have. So don't be afraid to reach out that way as well. But unlimited just depends on where you want to plug in. And the website really does help with that. And I guess the last is, if you want to learn more about ASSP, obviously you can go to our website, ASSP.org, to learn more about our practice specialties, our common interest groups, our communities, the education, the standards, and other ways to get involved in a little more about the organization as a whole. Great. So just in summary, uh, the ASSP has been there to and ha- will continue to be there as a leading force for helping companies and individuals grow not only compliant, but help with safety risk management and really understanding that any way they can help employees and employers be safe together, that that's the mission. And you're doing that not just at a local scale, but at the national scale. So uh, thank you so much for your, your time, Diana. It's, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and getting your perspective on the ASSP. So thank you so much. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Amber. That was a great conversation that we were able to have and learn about all the opportunities that the ASSP has for individuals. Grateful for Diana and her time. I know she's a very busy individual being in charge of such a global and national organization. I was really impressed with that focus on, and really, I don't think most people take time to realize that as businesses continue to grow and not just grow, but focus on safety, this profession of being a safety professional is going to continue to grow. And the opportunities that are there within this field are huge. And I really can see a future where there is degrees within specialties of safety professionals because it's going to be necessity as things continue to get more complex. So, Great field to get into, growing field with a great quality of life, all while being able to make an impact on people's lives. I know somebody like my wife, she doesn't like blood, but likes helping people. She could do this type of job, I think, and enjoy it. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I like that she did focus on or tell us a little bit about the student level and how students can get involved because as the profession is growing, that is where we can get a whole new new crop of people. So she did mention the future safety conference that is coming up in November. She said that students that are interested in this and want to become involved with this um, should talk to their faculty advisors and their faculty advisors can help nominate them for the conference, possibly then next year. Something else that she did talk about in our post-interview conversation was that there is a award coming up for emerging professionals. Those are safety professionals under the age of 40 or if they've been in the profession for less than five years. So she wanted us to mention that um, if anybody is interested in that award or nominating someone they know or even themselves, they can visit the ASSP website at www 
ssp.org and go to the news and articles section and it should be uh, there should be something there talking about this new emerging professionals award but we are very thankful to Diana for taking time out of as Curtis said her very busy schedule to speak with us and to all of you more about the ASSP so thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention of Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. To get started preventing injuries, please visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments. We love to read them. And remember, prevention improves lives. 